Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast in which we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and with me is Paul, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. All right, are we ready for this? This one, we've actually seen it several times, so I thought, well, let's do. This is your Redeemer, Goel, is the, the Goel? participle part. Okay. Goel, ka, is what, or Goel, ka, is this one, hmm. your Redeemer. Okay. Okay. And I guess we often don't think of the word redeem means to buy back. And so he's the one that's bought Israel back. It becomes a major term for uh, God's love for Israel, you know, his sure, his yeah. name. And then Isaiah 54, verse 8, we're going to come across this soon. In an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you and for a, mo- for a moment. Uh, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. So there's the hmm. where it comes through. And, and we've seen it so many times already. Yeah. But it just just to remind us, it actually means he's the one that brought us back from yeah. from well, it, it was Egypt yeah. and then it was well, that's Babylon. What I was about to ask. In this then, term we're we're speaking of you know yeah. coming right from Babylon, but that would have been yeah appropriate for Egypt or probably yep. anything. And probably even for the next time, the next return, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's buying us out of sin and out of captivity and right. bringing us to him. Yeah. So fits all, almost every category. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into the text. All right. Why don't you remind us where we are? Help okay. us catch up a little bit. Yeah, here's our here's our big uh it's actually not a palistrophe this time, but it's our our section from 49 to 57. So it's still got nine chapters there. Mm-hmm. And we we got to kind of the middle. There's no doubt that the middle of this, so it was building to the climax. And then we got to that four servant song, yeah. which we talked about last time we were together. And from then on, it's basing things upon that, it seems like. So so it's not it's got to its climax with chapter uh, 52 and 53 there. Mm-hmm. Then he's going to have some ramifications because of what happened there, I think. I see. And that's yeah. what we're covering today. That's what we're covering the ramifications. today. ramifications. Yeah. Okay. So it actually starts with Zion's glorious future. So what's going to happen for them in the future? And the reason was, is because here up until this point, they've been want, uh, um, don't even know what the term is. They've been stuck in captivity. Yeah. And now he's brought them out. And now he's even taken them out of the spiritual captivity. So we've got this servant that's not just going to take them out of the Babylonian captivity, but he's taking out them out of the spiritual captivity. Right. Remember last time it talks about he was bruised for our iniquities yeah. and all of those things. So he's basically now talking about spiritual healing of these people. Yeah. So it got to there. And now we're going to, he can now explain it. The the glorious future for Zion, those who have, who trust him and believe in him and all that. Yeah. Let me start. Let's go to uh, chapter 54. Okay. Shout, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the ones than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. So let me just let me see if we understand that. Israel went into captivity. You would have thought that when they were in captivity, they wouldn't have many sons, right? Mm. But in actual fact, he says, I've got you're gonna have more sons after this captivity than you had before when you were married. And right. I assume the married was to God because earlier we had seen this idea of them relationship was a, a marriage one with yeah. God, but they haven't kept their part of the bargain. Right. So what was happening is there, there, was, there was a remnant in that time period, but it wasn't a big remnant because mm-hmm. a good share of them were wandering into sin and all that. 
But he says, now that we've got to this servant song and got to that point in God's plan, there's going to be more children now that are coming to him, coming to Israel than ever before. So, so, and, and it's, once again, it's a remnant, but it's going to be a remnant of Jews and Gentiles. We're going to find that out later, that that's why it's going to be so many, is wow. he's bringing them from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So does that married woman, uh, yeah. desolate, I just want yeah, to make sure we image. understood that. Yeah. Because that one's kind of complicated at the yeah. beginning of it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. Now it's it's the image of a tent. Mm-hmm. And so here's Israel as a tent and, it, and it's not going to be able to hold all the people that are in God's family now. Yeah. Because remember a tent usually held a yeah. family. So it's kind of a neat yeah. image. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for you to, are to spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants and your and will possess nations and will resettle in the desolate cities. And remember how we talked about that um, prophetic uh, vision into the future. Mm. So he's he's talking about a rec, a return from captivity because he cause he keeps saying you will resettle in those desolate cities. Well, they were desolate because they'd been carried off into captivity, right? Right. But now they're coming back. And now when they come back, there are going to be more of them than there ever was before. Yeah. So it's kind of a neat a neat image on how it yeah. starts. Yeah, it's a great image. Okay, does that all make sense? Yeah. Verse 4 says, Fear not, for you will not be put to shame, and do not feel humiliated, for you will be not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, meaning when Israel was younger, she wandered away from God and all yeah. that. Okay. And the reproach of your widowhood. Uh, probably going into captivity, yeah. uh, you will remember no more. I would say the reason you won't remember it anymore is because God's going to bless them so much with mm. multiple people. And we, we already talked about that um, uh, feast that is going to be in this future time period and the gifts that they're going to give. There's not going to be any more mourning and there's not going to be any more death and stuff like that. Yeah. So those kind of things they can look forward to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now here's our verse. Verse five, yeah. for your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. Verse five is once again, kind of a, almost like a climax to this. He just talks about how many are going to come back and all that. But verse five talks about almost like the epitome. Here's your 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 husband, okay, is yeah. your maker, the one who who made you, you know, the creator, yeah. God. Um, your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. So here's here's the reason why there's gonna be so many children coming back, is because God's promised you some great blessings and he's gonna fulfill them. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what you got there. He, he, he reminds them that he did have a moment uh, when they were in captivity and he was harsh to them. Look what he says. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a wife of one's youth uh, when she is rejected, says your God. For a moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer." So he he admits that that there was that moment of captivity when when he's allowing them to be punished so he wasn't looking upon them but now he's turned his face back towards them and with yeah. overflowing forever loving kindness. Yeah. So it's it's giving that the plan and I assume that once we got to that servant song now he can pour out his plan for the rest of what's going to come. Yeah. And you can see it's it's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating here that it's referred to as a a brief moment. Yeah. 
That's interesting. So, yeah, seventy years doesn't yeah, seem too brief to well, us, it does was, it? Right, right. Yeah, for yeah. them, it, it probably felt very <laughs> incredibly long. Yeah, that's you know? right. Um, but in God's mind, because because that would be so yeah. short compared to the everlasting blessings we're going to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is kind of neat. Yeah. All right. Look at verse nine. For this is like the days of Noah to me. When I swore to the, uh, that the waters of Noah would not f- uh, flood the earth again, so I have sworn with you, I will not be angry with you, nor ha- or, nor will I rebuke you. See, I actually think that's kind of an amazing promise, mm-hmm. right? Because we look at the rainbow and re- remember that God's never going to flood it, the earth again. We look now at at this this captivity, and and God says, "I'm never going to do that to you again. From now on, right? I'm going to restore you, and and I won't ever rebuke you again. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a neat promise. I yeah, think that's a good yeah. it's a good callback. You know, yeah, to probably the most famous promise and yeah in scripture. Maybe and, you know, and if and if so, if that's true, then imagine what that encouragement that must be for them. Yeah, you know, look at the rainbow. I'm never going to flood the earth again. Look at this captivity." I'm never going to have to go yeah. through that again. It's over, yeah. 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 I think that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, for the mountains may be removed, the hills may shake, but my righteous, my loving kindness will not be removed from you. My covenant of peace will not be shaken. Thus says the Lord who has compassion on you. So if they were ever worried about going through this captivity again or another one, don't have to worry. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So... Okay, we've got one more section in this chapter, but it it's it's he's just basically talking about the same thing almost. Oh, afflicted one, storm tossed and not comforted, behold, uh, behold, I will set your stones in anemone and lay your uh, foundations. I will lay them in sapphires. Uh, behold, I will make your battlements of rubies. So here's all the blessings that God says He's going to pour out on them. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, look at the last verse seventeen. Or let's do 16. Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of the coals and who brings out a weapon for, for its work and have created this destroyer to ruin. So it's he's saying, I'm the one that made all that stuff. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Hmm. So God is gonna be there protection there and he, he's the one that made the weapons anyway so he says don't worry yeah i'm the ones also that's going to protect you yeah right okay right. so that's that chapter talking about okay we've got this um there's going to be numerous children i'm going to protect your city it's going to be glorified like is he, he does it by telling all the different uh kinds of stones that their yeah. foundation is going to be made in yeah um and then says and and no one is ever going to come against you with with uh weapons of war or anything like that because i'm the one that made those people that made them and i'm not going to let them do that again yeah so that's that's glory uh, zion's glorious future yeah and it's a good it's a good description of like the type of deliverance they're going yeah. to get it's using physical terms to talk about the re- the restoration that god will mm. have yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's look at uh, chapter 55. Yeah. And, and remember, this is building, right? So now based upon what we had in that servant song, now he can offer forgiveness and restoration to the, everybody. Look what he says. Yeah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. 
Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread or your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. So it's it's using figures of speech. He's calling it uh, bread and wine and yeah. stuff like that. But he's really talking about the salvation that's come in in chapter 52 or right. 52 and 53. Right, right. And he's offering it, it seems like to me, to everyone free of cost, yeah. now based upon what the servant had done. Yeah. So now he can offer it. Now it's interesting, it's a little weird, like <laughs> come buy this, even if you don't have money. Yeah. So what is that? How do those two things even like work together? Well, I, th- I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that this is like a, a peddler in the streets calling out. And, and maybe some people have even said more, there's a, through the ancient Near East, people would go out and sell water. Hmm. So here's somebody calling out in the streets to come and get this. Only his is, it's got to be a, a, a shocker because nobody yeah. buy, or sells stuff for nothing yeah. except this guy is. So he's offering this, this deliverance. For free. Come get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, there's kind of something needed in a minute, but let me show you. He's going to connect it to the everlasting covenant. Mm. He's making an everlasting covenant with them. Yeah. So he's offering it what sounds like to anybody forever, but there's there's a catch later. Let me show you. Um, incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I, w- I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. I assume what it's trying to show is that there's a connection with his faithful mercies that he showed to David as going to be uh, this everlasting covenant with yeah. them. Yeah. So so remember how David is always going to have somebody to sit on the throne and, mm. and forever. And that's, I think Jesus picks up that being on, Jesus, on David's throne yeah. and carries it on forever. Well, I think this everlasting covenant now is to us saying that if you, that if you t- accept this offer of salvation, it has eternal ramifications. So mm. I think that's what it's getting at. Yeah. Okay. Um, behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples. Now, it's it's a little uncertain. Is this talking about David, the him, or mm. is it um, the offspring of David? Okay. okay? So it could, could yeah. even go to the Messiah yeah. kind of idea. Yeah. But um, so it's, it's hard to know who the him is, but I think either way, if it's David, that makes fine because David at his time was demonstrated God's love for him and mm. and this everlasting covenant that God had made with him. But then if it's the Messiah, it could be one of David's offspring now is going to continue this on forever. Yeah. So so either one in my mind is okay. Yeah. Um, a leader, a commander for the people. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know. And a nation which knows you not will run to you because uh, of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So I think what he's saying is that here's Israel who's going to be this nation that God's called. But he says there's going to be more in that nation than than that some that don't even know you. Yeah. So that, I think, is the hint that the Gentiles are going to come in yeah. also. So yeah. he's saying, you know, a nation you didn't even know is going to come to you. So that's going to be more more people than just the nation of Israel, like he started with. Right. Okay. Now, look at the next one. I mean, verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forget his, uh, forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and, ha- and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will, have ab- he will abundantly pardon. So 
what's interesting is verse six seems to say there, you know, if he's he's saying, seek the Lord while he may be found, that almost suggests that there's a time when he won't be found, mm. right? Or call upon him while he's near. It almost sounds like there's going to be a time when he's not near. So it seems like to me that this offer for this free gift of deliverance or salvation that he that he offered in the first part is only for a limited time. There will be a time when it won't be offered anymore. Mm. So you better grab it while it comes by you. That, yeah. I think that's kind of neat in the sense that salvation is like that, right? right. There's certain times that God uh, woos our hearts and stuff like mm. that. We better not let it go by. We better grab it at, as it, it's coming because it may not be offered forever. Right. Or we may not have that chance of, of accepting it forever. Yeah. I assume what that means is that at some point, he's coming back. So, mm. so after he comes back, there's no... No chance of you you right. getting then. So anyone who hasn't accepted it up to that point is not going to get it anymore. Yeah. So I think that's what it's getting at. There is a temporary time when the salvation is offered. There's going to be a time when it's not offered anymore. Yeah. So that's it's scary, but it also makes yeah. perfect sense with right. what you think about it. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Then verse eight: For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, why, why did he say that at that point? You know, he's he's calling out and offering this salvation, starting at the beginning of that chapter. Then says, but there's going to be a time when when it won't be offered anymore. And then he says, but my ways are are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why would he bring that up now? I think the answer is is because his way of salvation is not what we would have thought. Hmm. It's not exactly how we would have done it. Yeah. And, and we would have, if he's offering it, he's offering it to people who want it for a limited time, and then it's not offered anymore. Yeah. So I think what it's saying is, man, I, I'm sure all of us would want a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance. Right. He's saying, that's not the way it works. Right. It's offered once and you offer it when, and, and you get it when it's near, after that, it's no longer possible. And I assume he's talking also about the ramifications of that salvation in that some of you are going to be saved, but some of them are going to go to judgment. Hmm. And so, and that's when he says, well, my, my thoughts are high above your thoughts and greater than yours. Meaning, again, it's good. he understands it's right that there'll be some that accept it and some that don't accept it. Yeah. That's that's what I think he's getting at when he when he brings this up. It's it's trust me, this is the right way. But boy, it's it's often hard for us to get a handle on why he's why he's doing it that way. And he's saying, yeah. well, trust me, it's the right way. Right. So. I, Cause it is, I guess, uh that maybe uh is the universalist complaint. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there is good news. Why wouldn't yeah. like shouldn't mercy be offered to everybody? Yeah. Why wouldn't God do that? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think what we see, of course, in the Bible is like, there's an element of human response to yeah. salvation. And it seems like we're kind of getting that picture here. Yeah. You know, that there is kind of a, it's weird to say there's a condition because <laughs> God's grace doesn't, yeah. it's unconditional, but yeah. there also is uh, an element of obedience. And maybe what we should say, not not a condition, but mm. what it is, is there's a limit. Mm. At some point, it's not going to be offered anymore. Yeah. 
And that, I think that, that means verse six of chapter 55 is really, really important. And it's interesting. It starts off with a call to everyone, right? Come get this free gift of salvation, but realize it's for a limited time because it's that offer won't always be there. Yeah. 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 And then it's talking about, and my ways are higher than your ways. So I'm the one that's made this plan. You better just trust it. Yeah. That it's the right way. Yeah. Interesting, That's isn't very it? Interesting. It's quite yeah. a chapter. It is, yeah. Okay. Now look at verse uh, ten. For as the rain and the snow come from the, from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. I'm assuming if he was the one that was calling at the beginning of this, when he says there's going to be some that get saved. So I think it's mm-hmm. saying. I've I've told you this is going to happen. I've already told you about the servant that's doing this job for you. And guess what? It's it's going to happen. And there's and it's when it goes forth my from my mouth, it's going to accomplish what it's supposed to do. So I'm I think it's saying yeah. there's going to be some that actually make it. And yeah. even though it's a limited time, I'm bringing the ones that I want. Yeah. To be there. Yeah. It's an interesting chapter how it fits together. Yeah. Now, verse 12, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains will uh, and hills will break forth with shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. We had seen that before in like chapter 35, almost the exact same, it sounds like a song, yeah. uh, talking about the praise that Israel's going to receive in the sense that they're praising God for this deliverance that he's got. And now you see it again, almost the exact same terms. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, instead of a thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign, which will not be cut off. So it's saying, don't worry, this is going to happen. And even though when it's talking about, uh, okay, instead of a thorn bush, you're going to have a cypress. Instead of a a nettle, you're going to have myrtle. Mm -hmm. So it's saying uh, where before you had this punishment, Mm. now you're going to have restoration, and it's going to be so much better than it was before. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that ties back into, I mean, I guess like in an imagery way, it seems to tie back into, uh, yeah. you know, what we had seen about like kind of vineyards falling yeah. apart and like turning into desolation. Sure. But you need someone there to kind of yeah manage it and make sure it works well. And like yeah. now, you know, the nettles are gone. Yeah. Right. And there's like a plant you want there. Yeah. And it and it, a lot of these images are uh, how much better this future yeah. for Israel is going to be. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, it's really good. All right. So we've just made it through Zion's glorious future. That was in Mm -hmm. 54. We've got now this call uh, for salvation to come and accept it. And we've got, um, it's it's talking about uh, the the most important thing here is is the call is to everybody. Yeah. But we now know that only a certain amount of people are going to get it and it's not offered forever it's yeah. it's a limited time yeah and then now we so we've got now to there and now we've we've got it the next part of the chapter is still in this section hmm. thus says the lord preserve justice and do righteousness for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness is about to be revealed how blessed is the man who does this the man uh, the son of man who takes hold of it who keeps from profaning the sabbath and keeps his hand from doing evil so it sounds like to me what's happening is chapter 55 it's helping clarify what does it mean to actually take this 
this gift of salvation that's offered. He's, he's, he's talked about it. He's so said it's only going to be it for a limited time. And now he says, once you get it, what it's going to be like. Right. So he's, uh, you know, so take hold of it. And here's the person who's done that one who does, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing evil. So he's saying, these are the kind of things that it's, it's going to affect your life. These are the kind of yeah. things that are going to happen. Yeah. He, it sounded like it was to everybody at the, cha for the chapter. Right. Now he's going to talk about people that under the old law didn't have a chance. Mm. So, so the first one, let not the foreigner who, who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people, nor let the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. Do you understand what that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The idea they, they right, can't yeah. have offspring, so right. they're a dry tree. Yeah. Okay, but he says, don't say that because those people that in in the, under Old Testament law, these are two people that wouldn't have a chance at this salvation. Mm. He's saying, if you've got faith in me, if you were the ones that demonstrate keeping uh, keeps from profaning in the Sabbath yeah. and keeps his hand from doing evil. That's kind of like a summary of what God expects from you. If you're yeah. going to accept this salvation, yeah. these are the kind of things you need to do. He says, well, for a person who believed in that, it's, it's saying, don't worry whether you're a foreigner or a eunuch, both of them are going to come. And then he's going to explain it more. Mm -hmm. For thus says the Lord, for the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths and who che chooses what pleases me and, and holds fast to my covenant. So Here's a eunuch that does all these things. To them, I will give. I, I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial, a name better than the son than of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which cannot be cut off. Oh, that's so see, remember that's the thing yeah. that a eunuch. That's their biggest fear. Right. Yeah. That when they die, that's nobody's going to remember them. Right. God says, "Well, don't worry. For you who follow after me and and do what I want you to do." I'm going to give you a name better than that. And yeah. I'm going to make it so that you, you have a memorial in the yeah. temple. It will never be cut off. Yeah. So what a, what a amazing hope for even somebody who under old Testament guidelines wouldn't have a chance to yeah. have an intimate, intricate relationship with God. Now they have that chance. Yeah. Okay. And he, that's only the first one. Then here's the foreigner. Also the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant. <laughs> let, me, let me just say, notice both of them. It told them, don't profane my Sabbath and, uh, mm -hmm. and hold fast to my covenant. Yeah. I think what is going on is, is, is remember, that's one thing they couldn't do in exile. Hmm. So they were they 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 didn't oh, even right. have a chance to do that because there yeah. was no temple that they could yeah. offer sacrifices and stuff like that. So the only thing they could do was actually worship God on the Sabbath. Yeah. So that was the one thing that in exile they could do to show their obedience to Him. So I think it becomes kind of like almost like the epitome of how to demonstrate their love for God in this new time period too. It was to do what they were doing back in the exile yeah. when when there was nothing else they could do yeah, right. but show obedience to God in the in the sabbath yeah. or by the sabbath so i think that's why it's picked up here and said oh do it do it now right okay right so it's kind of interesting something they couldn't do before and now it's almost like a characteristic of what they yeah. should be doing yeah right okay all right. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of, 
of my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on, acceptable on my altar. So, so they're going to have full access to God, I think, is that's what that's getting at. Okay. For my house will be called the house of prayer for all peoples. So see, even those that couldn't ha didn't have a chance in the Old Testament, foreigners and eunuchs, now can be accepted and yeah. have full access yeah. because my house will be called the house of prayer for all peoples. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I think that's actually kind of interesting. We've we've now gone through Zion's glorious future. Uh -huh. We've now gone who's it offered to and what it's going to look like for those who yeah. it is offered to. Yeah. And now we've got uh, almost like this the slam dunk. <laughs> okay. So if if in chapter 56 it talks about who can actually accept this, yeah. now from verse nine on, it's going to talk about people who are not going to get it. Uh -huh. So so there's now it's emphasizing more that, but there's a limited time to it. Yeah. And the offer it goes out, but not everybody's going to accept it. And now you're going to find out here's the ones that don't accept it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so starting at verse nine. All you beasts of the field, all you beasts of the forest, come and eat. His watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs, unable to bark. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so who's his watchmen? So I assume the his are gods, right? Yeah. So who are God's watchmen? Well, they're blind and they're mute dogs, unable to bark. So the very thing that a watchman should be, that's their job. Yeah. Their job is to be able to see what's coming and then tell the tell the other people, how to get out of it. Yeah. He's saying that God's watchmen are worthless. Yeah. So well that last line in 10, yeah. dreamers lying down who love to slumber. Yeah. They're they're asleep at the wheel. They're not yeah. paying attention. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he's talking about the other side now. So here he just got done talking about those who are being obedient to him, that remnant that's gonna carry on forever. Yeah. But there's, a, there's also the other side of it, yeah. okay? Uh, look at verse 11. And dogs are greedy. They are not satisfied. They are, they are shepherds, but have no understanding. They, are all turned to, they have all turned to their own ways, each one to his unjust gain and to the last one. Come and say, let us get wine. Let us uh, drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be like today, only more so. That's so. So it's actually taken up the same image that he used for yeah. offering it to the right to the people that would accept it. Yeah. Now he's saying, "Oh, come, let us get wine and drink." But it's going to have a, a um, almost like a damning effect to him because yeah. he says, "And tomorrow will be like today, only more so." So they think they think God's judgment that he talked about right. is, and and we'll always have this chance to actually accept the salvation. Yeah. But guess what? He's saying. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I've already told you there's a limited time. These guys think it's going to go on forever, yeah. and it's not. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is this is seeing the other side of it now, the yeah. wicked side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now we're not done. The righteous man perishes. I'm in chapter 57 now. The righteous man perishes, and no man takes it to heart. The devout men are taken away, while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. I think that's interesting. Righteous people are taken away and the wicked people don't even notice it's happening. But it says, for the righteous man is taken away from the evil. So while these people are down here on earth in this wickedness, he's saying the righteous ones are being taken away so mm. that they're not, they're going to be delivered from this evil. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
He enters into peace. They rest in their beds. Each one will walk in his upright way. But come here, you sons of sorceress and offspring of adulterers and of prostitutes, just against whom you jest, against whom do you open your mouth wide and stick out your tongue? That's like mocking, I'm assuming that that is, okay? Are you not children of rebellion, offspring of deceit? who inflame themselves among the oaks under every luxuriant tree, who slaughter children in the ravines under the cliffs of the crag. Now, let me just stop there. This is this is false worship. Remember mm. when it talks about among the oaks, it means in those high, high places. places. Yeah. yeah. And then when it says under every luxuriant tree, earlier he has talked about them going there and offering their sacrifices yeah. under these trees or yeah. around them. So he's basically saying, it's those people that are are doing that. Now, that's not all. Look what he, who, who slaughter children in the ravines. Yeah. As I understand. That's like it, sacrifice? Yeah, child yeah. sacrifice. Wow. And my understanding is they did it to the false gods, but they did it in, um, there's a place called, the Kidron Valley was called a garbage dump. In the New Testament, it's talked about as Gehenna. Yeah. Okay. My understanding is that Valley of Ben-Hinnom was the place where they offered children sometimes to the gods. And so he's, I think this is what he's saying, who slaughtered children in the ravines. Wow. So I think that's in that uh, place of Ben-Hinnom Valley where they offered these children to false gods. Yeah. Okay, so it's making it real clear. Under the cliffs of the crags, uh, just in the rocky places, among the smooth stones of the ravine is, is your portion. They are your lot. The smooth stones must be work stones that they made altars out of. Mm. So I think that's what that's talking mm. about. So in those ravines, you made these altars, these false gods, yeah. and that's going to be your portion. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Even to them, you have poured out a drink offering. So that's helping confirm yeah. that. You have made a, gr- a grain offering. Shall I relent concerning these things? Upon a high and lofty mountain, you have made your bed. You went up there to offer sacrifice. Oh, let me just stop. He says, shall I relent concerning these things? I think that's that saying. Do you think that those wicked people don't deserve the punishment they're right. getting? And these, right. I'm sure the answer to that is, of course of they course. do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's not going to call it off because they deserve it. All right. Upon the high and lofty mountains, you've made your bed. That's the high places again. You went up there to offer sacrifices. So he's saying, you went to the false gods, not me. Yeah. You're going to you're going to receive the punishment. Yeah. It even goes further. Behind the door and the and the doorpost, you have set up your sign. Indeed, you're far removed from me. You've even uncovered yourself. Uh when it says on the do- do- behind the door or doorpost you've set up your sign, I assume that's some kind of a uh, altar or something like that to these false gods, yeah. whatever this sign is. Yeah. But then it goes on, you've uncovered yourself. You've gone up, made your bed wide. You've made an agreement for yourself with them. You have loved their bed. You have looked on their manhood. These are the false gods. So I think yeah. what it's saying, almost like, uh, you know, it's it's like talking about like a husband and wife would-, right. would you, In intimacy. Yeah. Kind of, and yeah. he's saying, well, instead of having that with me, you had that with your false idols. Yeah. Okay. So it, it goes back to that. Do you think they should be, should I, should I call off my punishment? No way. Yeah. Right. They deserve it. You can see it. You have journeyed to the king with oil and increased your perfumes. You have sent your envoy a great distance to make them go down to Sheol. This is funny because this sounds like it's going back to that time when they called on other people's helps. Like they went to Egypt to get Egypt's help uh, to deliver them. I think this is it. You've gone to these other kings for help. 
you've never come to me. Mm. So I think that's why. Um, you have sent your envoy a great distance and made them go down to Sheol, meaning it's not it's not going to help. You're going to go down to destruction or oh, to the I grave yeah, yeah, yeah. because you thought you could get an alliance with Egypt. It's not going to help would, you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were tired out by the length of your road, yet you did not say it is hopeless. You found renewed strength. Therefore, you did not faint. I think that's interesting. Yeah. So they, they went to all extents possible to go to these foreign people to yeah. get their help and all that. And all they had to do was come to God. Yeah. They didn't have to take this long travel to, yeah. to get other people's help. All they had to do is go to God. Yeah. And they refused to do that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Look at verse 13. When you cry out, you, uh, let your collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will carry all of them away and a, and a breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and will possess my holy mountain. So that so all of that up to that point was talking about the wicked people, what was going to happen to them. Yeah. But there's one little verse tucked in there that, or one little part of a verse yeah. tucked in there that says, but those who rely on me, they're going to be delivered. Yeah. Okay, and now he's going to talk more about the righteous. So it, it, that was the turning point. So here's what's happened to the wicked. Now let's see what happens to righteous. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare a way, remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So that's basically what he's saying. The wicked were trusting on the, themselves or on other people to mm -hmm. deliver them. I'm, I'm with the people who are contrite of heart and come to me. Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty clear that he's now talking about the, the righteous remnant that's now coming back to God. Yeah. Okay. Verse 16, I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry for the spirit will grow faint before me and the breath of those whom I have made because of the iniquity of the unjust gain. I was angry and struck them and I hid my face and was angry and I went out turning my way and the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will he lead him and restore uh, comfort to him and to his mourners and creating the praise of his lips. Peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord, I will heal him. Okay, so it's talking about God delivering the righteous. And even though he goes back and says, okay, I realized I was, I was angry for a while, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to deliver you. And then verse 18 and 19 seems like to me, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. That sounds like it's more God doing. He's chosen or he's right. made a decision yeah. to heal them, even though they're yeah, in- They've messed up. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it sounds like here, even though they've messed up, I've made a choice, I'm gonna deliver them. Yeah. Okay? Creating the praise of his lips, peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near. So there, when, when Hebrew multiplies words, mm. like uh, peace would mean peace, right? Yeah. But if you multiply peace, peace, that's almost like, perfect peace it's like an emphatic mm. and so I, you could even say perfect peace to him who is far and to him who is near wow so he's he's actually saying here's those people that were once far away i'm bringing them into this perfect yeah. peace with me yeah okay I, i'm assuming who the far away are are the gentiles right right and i'm assuming the ones who are near are the israelites right so i think it's hinting at both groups are going to have peace this perfect peace with yeah. me together yeah yeah right isn't that neat yeah 
All right, but the wicked are not are like the tossed sea. It cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up refuge in mud. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Mm. And there's that refrain again. Yeah. Okay. So we've just got to the end. Now, what I wanted to do is is we've got to the end of our section, yeah. but I haven't talked to you about the seam that was at the end yet. Yeah. Right. So right. let's let's look at. I, I actually argue that the seam starts at verse. Uh, actually, it probably starts a little before, like thirteen B. Where it talks about the righteous, yeah. Where it says, "But him who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and will possess the, uh, my holy mountain." So, so you've got uh, this restoration. What's going to happen yeah. to uh, like you could? You yeah. Could, what are the what are we looking for in a seam again? Yeah. There's okay. a restoration. Restoration. Mm-hmm. A remnant being saved. Yeah. And a wicked are punished. Okay. Yeah. What I think is interesting is the remnant being saved. You wouldn't need to mention that anymore. Yeah. But he keeps doing it, right? Like, like here, but he, but the one who takes refuge in in me will inherit the land. Mm. He he wouldn't have needed to talk about. And remember earlier, he talked about in verse fifteen, and also the contrite and lowly of spirit. Yeah. And so so those are who the remnant are. They're gonna be saved. Yeah. So so the, there's a restoration. He talks about build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. So that's the restoration. And then he talks about this remnant that's gonna be saved. He started in verse 13b, okay, those who take refuge in him, but 15 highlights it again. Yeah. Okay. And then he's from verse 20 on, in fact, the remnant is probably talked about all the way from verse 15 all the way down to verse 19. Right. Because it's yeah. that whole section. Yeah. But then verses 20 and 21 talk about the wicked. Yeah, now, punishment. Yeah. Why are the wicked brought? You would have thought it's built to a climax. Here, God's going to deliver the righteous. Yeah. He'd already talked about the wicked. So why bring them up again? And I think the answer is because that it's the same. It's the same. It, it needs to pull all those themes yeah. together. Yeah. And, and he does so at that very end there. Yeah. So that's how how I see those seams working. Right, yeah. And, and, and in one sense, it'll also prepare it for the next section that's coming because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's highlighting the same things again. Yeah. But it, what I like is that my division of the, the book here is totally different than most scholars. And even though they see that, that refrain, they don't see it as a major divid- dividing point of the book. Yeah. And I don't quite understand that. They, they've made a break at the end of 56. And I understand that, you know, after 56, because he's talking about this call to everybody and then that, that um, yeah. the remnant is going to, you know, this eunuchs and foreigners can come. Well, yeah. I understand that that could make a lot of sense to break it there. But it seems like to me, he's still got to talk about the the uh, the wicked, what's going to happen to them. Mm. And so this next section talks about that. He's going to highlight what's going to happen to the righteous again. And then this seam pulls it all together, those ideas, and 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 re-talks about them. So I think rather than making the break at 56, they need to realize that here's this seam at the end of that that now pulls those seams together, even uh, themes together, even though... Uh, you wouldn't need these connected to that section before. Yeah. If this really is a seam, it needs it here because he's right. going to re-go over the, those those yeah. same ideas. It's kind of a refrain time. almost. Yeah. Yeah. Only lots bigger. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then it ends with our real refrain. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's that's our section for today. Yeah. And we, that's the end of another big. Yeah. A big hunk. Yeah, because after this, we're going to have the last nine chapters. Yeah. Okay. And they they are quite interesting in there. They're really 
talking about the the restoration again that God's mm. bringing. Remember, each of these have already talked about that theme and about mm. that. Um, but once you got chapter 50, 52 and 3, that's for servant song, yeah. now he can offer this salvation to everybody. And he, he tells them what it really is. You know, it's it's right. those who who love me and and are gonna um in in his his mind it's not profaning the Sabbath and keeping my commandments. Okay. So that's yeah. how they demonstrate this obedience to him. Yeah. And then we've got it it getting all the way to end, reminding us that the, there's going to be some that aren't going to make it. So there's going to be a righteous ones that do, but there's going to be wicked ones that don't. And yeah. so he's got this saved remnant that's actually going to make it. It's interesting. It takes a, I, I don't think I would say that before this section, it was not a spiritual book, but it does seem much more yeah, metaphorically evident. spiritual, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, recently. And I think you can have that now that you've got yeah. that four servant song. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's very fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So um, our next episode, we need to cover a couple more chapters yeah. in a new section. It looks like some of these are actually pretty short. Why don't we try to get to uh, chapter 61? No, let's get through 61. Through 61. Okay. okay. That's good homework. Uh, now, once again, we don't have a palystrophe in this time. Yeah. So we're not building to some, but there is, it does look like to me, we've got a climax starting to happen. Okay. But what we have is some really interesting pronoun problems that we've got to figure out oh. who's talking. So okay. as you're reading it through, try to- Look try for to, pronouns? Yeah, look for the first person pronouns and see yeah. who's it referring to. Okay, that's a good okay. challenge. Okay, yeah. well, let's pick that up next week. Okay. Okay, that's it. Thank you everyone for, for listening and thank you, Dr. Wagner. We'll meet up next time as we continue to study Isaiah. 